Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory podcast. I mean, Pie Factory sounds kind of, makes me want pie, actually. So, um, if you're listening to us right now, then uh, congratulations, you are listening to us. We are the Pie Factory Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, um, uh, Jimmy G, why don't you introduce yourself while I find out what my name is this week? Hi, this is Jimmy G. What are you while you're at it? I am one of the co-hosts. Of? The Pie Factory. You host a factory? Uh, one of the hosts of the Pie Factory Podcast. Oh, you're one of the hosts of the Pie Factory. Oh, okay. Yes. Where we talk about classic video arcade games. We do two a week, and we have prepared a theme, sometimes awesome, sometimes, most usually, pretty lame uh, theme. And uh, I guess I am the other host of the Pie Factory podcast. Um, it looks like this episode, my name is Sean O slash Sean O C. Well, you know, I put your real name through wordsmith.org. They have the internet anagram server. And I've got two, uh, two potentials here for you. We could either introduce you as Nuance Oyster. I have that in my list of band names. Really? Interesting. And then how about this one? Ace Nurse Tony. Ace Nurse Tony. Yes. Well, th- we'll think about that. That might be uh, for uh, episode... No- what episode number is this? Is this seven? It's one plus the le- previous episode. It's the previous episode plus plus. Okay, well, the latest show on our show notes page is episode six, so welcome to episode seven, everybody. Welcome to episode seven, where we have a story about a dog and a situation we can all understand. You know what's weird is I am not using my really professional-grade microphone today. I'm using the one on my gaming headset, and yet I've got the professional-grade microphone in my face, and I'm talking into it, yet it is disabled. Bye-bye. There we go. So we're not actually hearing you. And by the way, I was... Because I'm such a... um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Narcissist. I was listening to our episode zero earlier today, uh-huh. and there was a fun fact that I was about to bring up that I never did, and what you just said right now about the dead dog dedication reminded me. Uh-oh. Now, the dead dog dedication was for a, sh- uh, a song named Shannon. I forgot who did that song. Uh, if only there was some magical device I could use to find out who did it. Um, but Shannon in the song, the, ti- the titular Shannon, was actually a dog owned by Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys. Uh-huh. Henry Gross, that's the guy's name. So who says that video games aren't educational? Oh, speaking of uh, video games and education and everything, um, in today's Red Eye, which is the Chicago Tribune's free daily newspaper, or if you want to get it hand-delivered to your home, you have to pay for it, but today there was a two-page spread um, about video game addiction. And it just made me think of you know, you know, those of us who listen to the Atari 7800 uh, Game by Game podcast, such as I, and I believe you do as well. As what I do. does the What does the No Swear Gamer always say when he signs off? So long, suckers. Yep, and that's exactly what this article says. Yes. No, keep first things first. Yep, games are mm-hmm. fun, but always keep first things first. And yeah, this and I have to put a link to this article in the show notes. It's really fascinating. Uh, it doesn't really have much to do with us because you know this is talking about more modern games, mm-hmm. like like say your um, Minecrafts and your 
and your World of Warcrafts that your young whippersnappers play nowadays. Don't and, uh, get me started on World of Warcraft. <laughs> I was addicted to that game. And then one day I was just playing it. I had bought like three of the expansion packs. And one day I was just playing it and it, I, and it occurred to me, I'm not having fun. I haven't played it since, despite the fact they keep sending me emails to to join back into the fray, or to join the fray again, or jump back into the fray, whatever the phrase is. And you know, ever since we started doing this podcast, I was wondering, man, am I getting am I, am I getting too much of a problem? I'm dedicating too much time to video games? And then I realized in this article, they're talking about people who would go home and then 15 hours straight, they'd be playing video games. And I was like, me, I'm lucky if I have like an hour a week. Have you ever seen the World of Warcraft episode of South Park? I have seen, as far as I know, every South Park episode except some this season. Okay, you have to, if you haven't seen it, folks, uh, you have to see, the episode is entitled Make Love Not Warcraft. Is that the one with PewDiePie? No, that's a different one. Um, This episode totally skewer, you know, people that are addicted to games like World of Warcraft. But they also got the people at Blizzard Entertainment to actually do special graphics for that episode. Oh, wow. And the, the episode won an Emmy. So Is that the episode when Kyle was spending all the time at the arcade? No, that might be... Oh, uh, gosh, that might be the Guitar Hero episode. That's right, that's right. And that's the episode that, if you look, if you, it's one of those blink and you notice things. In the background, there was an arcade cabinet called Custer's Revenge. Which, if you're an Atari 2600 fan, you know the significance of that, probably. I have to go back and look at that episode, because I do not remember seeing that. I was like, and I'm thinking, is that just a coincidence, or is that kind of a nod no, to... No, they would have uh... put that in there on purpose. <laughs> well, oh, those guys... If they had known about it, yeah. <laughs> so I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. The only th- the only problem with the online version of the article is that in the paper version that you can get, uh, if you happen to walk around Chicago or the surrounding suburbs, you see a, the paper version in the little dispensers. It has kind of a sidebar, like opinion article mm-hmm. along with it. I don't think that one is online, but the main article is. Is, is there I'll one of those websites like that. that you have to answer a stupid marketing no. question to read the no. whole article? Good. No. I hate that. Oh, I'll tell you what, if it is, I, <laughs> oh, I can imagine the letters from attorneys I'm going to be getting for saying this, but if it is, I'll copy and paste it and put it in the show notes page. That's how much I care for my listeners. So, um, all right. His name is, is spelled N-U-A-N-C-E space O-Y-S-T-E-R at not a real email address.com. And of course, I might, everybody knows now that I live on the north side of Chicago, so I might as well give out my address. That'd be 1060 West Addison. Oh, (laughs) yes. But anyway, we're getting way off topic. So just to bring things back, do you have uh, do you have any news, anything worthy of sharing? I just want to mention a couple of podcasts that I am listening to uh, currently. One of them is you're listening uh, to one podcast while you're recording another. Now, that is multitasking. I'm actually I'm listening to two. Oh, one for each year. Yes. Yes. uh, One I'm listening to currently and I, i've just today caught up on their back catalog they only got like 25 maybe 26 episodes uh is genesis gems it's a sega genesis podcast you can get list they're on stitcher and all the usual places and um their website is genesisgems.podomatic.com uh give it a listen to that's a really really fun podcast i really enjoy that one a lot and a brand new one they only have two episodes in episode zero sounds like they stole our idea and in episode one and it is uh, Master System Masterpieces. And they're um, 
They're uh, also on Stitcher. Their URL is www.theboxfort T-H-E-B-O-X-F-O-R-T dot net that'll take you to uh, the uh, the guy's main blog page but there's a link on the left to the Master System Masterpieces and uh, you might want to give that one a uh, give that one a go too the first episode they reviewed uh, the game Alex Kidd and Miracle World I'm not a huge fan of the Alex Kidd games but there are so many great games on the Sega Master System and I wish I wouldn't have gotten rid of mine years ago I actually had the 3d glasses for that thing those things were awesome and um, but you know things happen so I don't have it anymore but uh, if anybody knows where I can get one I'd be more than grateful so, but anyway, you might want to check those two podcasts out. They're pretty good. And uh, who knows? Maybe someday we'll do a, do a crossover with one or both of them. You never know. But anyway, check them out. Podcast mashups. <laughs> so um, in other news, uh, you might have heard us mention before, uh, those of you who can get to the Chicago area, that Underground Retrocade is having a special pay $100, you get unlimited admission to the Retrocade through uh, up until Labor Day, I believe. Um, Just so as you all know, that promotion ends on June 30th. June 30th happens, Uh then it's back to regular admission fees. Hopefully this show will get out before then, so that people will have at least one day, but we'll have to see. And rumor has it we may have a contest coming up, and uh, we'll uh, be sure to keep you all informed about that. So, (laughs) our first contest, yay! So, anyway, um, you know, despite what you may have heard, Jimmy G and I, we're only human. And because we're human, sometimes we forget things, sometimes we get stuff wrong, and that's why we have our little segment called Addenda and Errata. Oh, by the way, by the way I want us to be quiet for a few seconds because he says he has some music to drop in, so... Uh, okay, first off, Jimmy G, have you any Addenda or Errata? No, no, not really. I think this is the first week in a long time where I've been perfect. Well, I have some addenda. I have some errata. First things first. Last episode, episode six, when we talked about burger time, I forgot to mention a strategy that I like to use. And I've told you about this before, and I know you disagreed with me on this, but I use this mainly on the first screen. Now, you get 500 points to uh, drop a layer of hamburger with an enemy on it and the more enemies you have on it the more points you get mm-hmm. so my point pressing strategy is to start from the very bottom and just and just work my way up dropping burger parts with enemies on there so in, in, didn't we mention that in the episode i, I thought, thought i brought that up i don't know because i i could have remembered i heard somebody saying or i was reading the article and they said that if you you, you get you using your pepper judiciously get them all on the bun on the bottom level drop it and then go up to the next one get them all on and and then keep going it works pretty well on it really i think the first level is pretty much the only level you would be able to do that on just because the first level is the it, it is stuff, yeah the, the second level is just forget it but yeah that's that's yeah. a strategy i used to use because or I, I shouldn't say used to use i still try as much as i can because most people what they trend, tend to do is go all the way to the top so they can just hurry up and finish the level well you're losing out a lot of points yeah you know what that's my that's my strategy i don't really play for points i just i play to see how many levels i can get through so yeah if you want levels go for it if you're like me and you're kind of a point slut uh how many world records do i have oh yeah zero <laughs> so um in any way a legend in your own mind i'm telling you 
And the other thing that I wanted to mention and totally forgot. Totes. In River North in Chicago, downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. there is a uh, place. It's called Brunch. It's on uh, Orleans, I believe. And on their sign outside, they actually have the Burger Time logo. Just the verbiage doesn't have the p- a picture of Peter Pepper on it, and I'm wondering how much did they pay for that, and did they pay for that? And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'll post a picture of that uh, either, either on the Facebook page or in the show notes or both. You know, I think it was in episode three we went down a list of all the arcade companies that used to be in the Chicago area. Um, one thing I did forget is Atari. Actually, they were based out of California, but they did have a pretty major warehouse in Chicago, but I think that was more for home systems and that. But huh. but at any rate, we had mentioned uh, I had thought that Data East was a Chicago company, but it was actually out in California and I said... They Hence the name Data East. Yes. that It makes me curious. Who owns the rights to Burger Time? Huh. There's be a lot of arcade. Different. There's a lot of arcade companies that went out of business, like Universal, Data East, um, and a lot of the more minor companies. I think Gottlieb went out of business. You know, what? I do have an addenda to that exact episode. There was another arcade company out of Chicago. I forgot to mention. Do tell. Rockola. Rockola is out of Chicago. Yeah, they make uh, no they make the jukeboxes. Uh, jukeboxes. They have a brief foray into video arcade games. I think they only released three titles into the arcade. I believe Nibbler was one of them. Yes, it was. Uh, and the world record was set at uh, Logan Hardware in Chicago um, about a year or two ago. It was something in the billions, I mm-hmm. remember. Rock Ola is a Chicago company, or was. Wow. I don't know if they're still in business or not. I'd have to look them up. But, uh, yeah, so I that was one I forgot about. But, but yeah, who owns the rights to, like, Burger Time and Mr. Do and Cubert? Uh, I think Gottlieb. Gottlieb changed their name to Millstar, and I think they went out of business after that. Huh. I have to double check that. Somebody obviously owns the rights to Cubert because otherwise Cubert wouldn't have been in the Wreck It Ralph movie. That's a movie I've yet to see. You have not seen it? I have not seen Wreck oh, Yeah, I have this I kind of have this anti-Disney thing. This is one Disney movie I think that you will enjoy. Yeah, a friend yeah, another friend of mine told me he's like, "No, trust me, it is a very well-done movie." There, so, I, I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. There is so much fan service in that movie. It is incredible. And there's there's a scene near the beginning where like Donkey Kong and Bowser and some characters from Mortal Kombat are in a group therapy session where they're trying to uh, affirm that it is okay sometimes to be a bad guy. So I can see that. It was very, very, very well done, and and, he, and the thing is, I love the Fix It Felix Junior game. They have that at uh, Underground Retrocade and uh, the uh, Red Bank, New Jersey Yestercades location. They both have Fix It Felix uh, Junior. I think they only I made like six game. or seven, six or seven of those cabinets, didn't they? Yeah, it's a very rare one. I, I can a I can Carrington, name three that exist. Carrington, yes, formerly of No Quarter, has one. Yes, he does, and I, I envy that. I really well. Then again, I really don't wouldn't want an arcade cabinet. It takes up too much space. I would like to have one, but if I if I ever get one, it's going to be something that I turn into a multi gate. I've been thinking about actually. I've been thinking about actually building a um, kind of like a bar top arcade system. Those are so cool. They have those at level three fifty, level two fifty seven. So I've been thinking about that. But anyway, you have any more addenda? I have uh, some more addenda for episode six regarding Ms. Pac-Man. A couple of things that I f- totally forgot to mention. Something that I had to mention because it, this is one of my favorite things on YouTube. As brief as it is. Now, something we did not mention is that in Pac-Man and the games that were basically hacked off of Pac-Man, such as Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus. 
I think Pac-Man Plus, and Junior Pac-Man, if your timing is just right, if you and a ghost are about to collide head on, you can actually cross right over each other and you won't die. It ha- it, it, I, in fact, that is a strategy that I use sometimes. If I'm about to have a head-on collision with a ghost and I'm at a dead end otherwise, I just keep going and see if I, see if I happen to be in that position. And uh, once in a while, it does work, and I end up going right past them. Interesting how that works sometimes. There's a, there's a whole website that ex- explains why that happens. Uh, it's a very famous Pac-Man site that, of course, I don't remember the URL off the top of my head. Check the show notes, folks. <laughs> and there's a video of Billy Mitchell playing Ms. Pac-Man, and there are a couple of guys watching him, and this is on the second screen. Uh-huh. There's a certain pattern you can do in which you can intentionally do that trick, I think with Pinky, huh. where you, you're about to cross into Pinky, you go right through him, and the guys who are watching are like, whoa, how'd you do that, man? And he just looks at him and says, I'm Billy Mitchell. <laughs> it's it's great, and uh, this and this is great because there's a there's a guy over at Underground Retrocade, and if we ever do a, a a remote podcast from there, I'd like to talk to him. But he's one of the most frequent customers over there. Hmm. He showed me how he was able to come up, how to devise a uh, not really a pattern, but some kind of strategy to guarantee that his first two maze, I think the first two mazes of uh, or the first two screens, I should say, of of Turbo Ms. Pac Man. He's able to basically get a perfect screen every time on those first on the first two, the cherry and the strawberry. Mm-hmm. So he was showing me, and he was cool as a cucumber, and he was several times just inches away from death practically. And after he showed me that thing, I was like, "Dude, you you know you were pretty much committing almost committing suicide over there." And he looked at me and he said, "I met Burke." <laughs> so i just i just love it and um two more things i want to mention and i'll shut up about, about uh, ms pac-man about time <laughs> and uh something that i wish the home all the home consoles would have paid attention to and sorry sorry to say this but this includes bob de crescenzo then again knowing him he would have included it if there was a uh, unless there was a good reason i don't know how many people notice this but in the first interstitial break the one called they meet uh-huh. uh between after you clear the first two screens at the very end of it when ms pac-man and pac-man they they kind of go up the screen and the monster the the ghosts that are chasing them they bump into each other and there's a little sound effect with that that you actually hear there's a little yeah Mm -hmm. and none of the home versions have that interesting Uh, you know what it's the, the the sound is very much like what happens when when uh mo slams uh curly and uh larry's head together yes Yes, that's 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 cl- very close to it. Yes, and uh, finally, something interesting. I mentioned uh, yesterday's a red bank once already this episode and several times in other episodes. I noticed that in their cabinet now they must have, they must have a hacked ROM or something or maybe even a bootleg variation, because if you look at the you know we mentioned before about how in the attract mode the ghosts are introduced as if it were opening credits mm-hmm. like. I have a video of this. I'll try to share this uh, on on Facebook or put it in the show notes somehow. But someone hacked the the game so that their names are like Dave and Alex and John or something like that. I'll try to put that video uh, up in the show notes. You know, it, it reminds me of something years back. I had a Coleco Adam, and uh, I had this. Uh, disassembler program or whatever i didn't know how to use it but i knew how to search and i knew uh, a few of the uh, ascii codes for letters and stuff and one time i did i took the game family feud and i ran it through this 
disassembler, assembler, whatever it was. Might have just been a hex editor. I think that's what it was. And, uh, and where it says Coleco presents Family Feud, Coleco was a graphic, but then it said presents Family Feud in just text. I changed it to Die Jeff, which Jeff being my brother and all. And <laughs> of course, he's, he played the game, saw that, oh, I don't like that. And I, of course, I changed it back. But but so that's fun doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, did, I did that to, I think, the Commodore 64 Jeopardy once. Nice. But, um, yeah, and believe it or not, I still have more addenda. And this was for episode five, specifically Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh-huh. I remember how, you know, I, I mentioned that I, as far as I remember, I have never seen that movie. Or if I did see it, I've forgotten all of it. And your response was, get thee to Netflix and rent. Uh-huh. Well, I just found out that uh, that movie's going away from Netflix pretty soon. I think July 1st. Yeah, I just saw something on Facebook today about that. Yeah, so if you want to see Terminator 2, uh, and if you have a Net, uh, pardon me, Netflix account, watch it while you can. And one more addendum. One more. I promise. This is the last, ti- the last time Bingo. this show... I'm sorry, I filled out my addenda card. Episode four, when we were talking about um, clacks, I had talked about how, you know, I, I, I got an iPhone, you know, how I drank the apple Kool-Aid. Now, of course, when people talk about drinking the Kool-Aid, that's kind of a... Um, Jim somewhat, Jones, Jonestown reference. Yeah, the Jonestown reference. I only recently found out that it wasn't actually Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. So my apologies to um, whatever company owns Kool-Aid. I think it's Kraft or something. It was actually Flavor-Aid because they were cheap. Well, well, that was a totally unimportant um, errata. (laughs) Have you any further errata? No, I am done with errata. Well, then how about we talk about a couple of games? Let's. All right, let's. Uh, what game? About what game should we talk? Uh, I'm thinking of two games. Pick one. All right, uh, the first one. Oh man, I wanted to do that one second. So I guess we'll do the second one first. Let's talk about Pac-Land. You're the Pac person. Why don't you? Why don't you set us up? Pac-Land. Okay, I've been designated the Pac Rat, so I will talk about Pac-Land. Pac-Land. Uh, for those of you who uh, just don't know it. Um, it is based on a cartoon that ran on Saturday mornings, uh, circa 1982 to 1983, called Pac-Man, which wow. is based on a video game called Pac-Man. Whoa! And wasn't that based on a breakfast cereal called Pac-Man? I have to research that. I was not prepared. I was going to save that for the Pac-Man episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, and Pac-Land is actually a platform version of the game. Uh, you control the character Pac-Man. You know how I believe on the No Quarter podcast, Quinn Dunkey coined the term fight and go right. Well, this is kind of sort of a fight and go right, except you're not really so much fighting as you are jumping and eating. And when you get all the way to the right, you're, you have to take your trip in, back to the left. That's right. Oh, that's very true. Yes. yes. So Pac-Man just basically runs through Pac-Land to the right for the most part, dodging the ghosts as usual. And actually, no, they're not ghosts. This is based on the Saturday morning cartoons, so instead they are ghost monsters. Um, and interesting that you mentioned the uh, cartoon again, because, well, it's based on it, so we can't separate the two. But the uh, the premise of the cartoon is, is that Pac-Man is guarding the power pellet forest from Inky Pinky Blinky Clyde and Sue... And they are being controlled by an evil genius named Mesmeron. 
who isn't in the game, spoiler alert, as far as I know. <laughs> like I've gotten far. <laughs> but Sitting the, here. The, I don't believe he's in the game, and if I'm wrong, I hope people will correct me on that. So basically what he's doing is he's patrolling Packland to keep it safe from the ghosts and the, the ghost monsters ghost, i'm sorry ghost monsters well and what happens is there are power pellets throughout and they work just like the power pellets in the in you know all of the other pack games that you know and love with the exception of professor well i said no and love not very many people love yeah. professor pac-man and you don't have power pellets in pack uh, pack and pal or pac-man and chomp chomp same game but Okay, so pretty much, pretty much every Pac-Man game has power pellets. But you're going along. the The controls of this game are really weird. You got, they're not really. They're not so weird. much weird. They're, they're they're just weird for this type for a Pac-Man for this game. kind of game. This kind of game in general, whether it's Pac-Man or not. Well, it's true. Uh, you have three buttons: one that moves you left, one that moves you right, and a jump button. You have two jump buttons actually, so you can play left-handed or right-handed. Thank you, Namco. <sighs> Okay, you know what? I gotta stop you for a second here. It all depends on how you like to play the game. I don't mind Nintendo's setup with the joystick on the left and the button on the right. I can adapt to that. I have done uh, what's his name's thing of of crossing my hands over, you know. So that, oh, I can't do that. And I have found that it makes no difference in the way I play Donkey Kong, Popeye, Mario Brothers, any of that. So, and I just don't really mind it. I've gotten used to it. I can play either way because, quite frankly, I've just, I'm not ambidextrous. <laughs> I'm not bi. Uh, I mean ambidextrous, but um, I don't know. I don't think it's as big a deal as many people make it out to be, but that's just my personal opinion. You know how many hours I played Atari 2600 where the button is on the left? I mean, man, and then they do that switcheroo on us. Come on, man, you know. In one of the issues of Atari Age, they told you how to rewire a joystick yes, so I, that I remember was that. on the right. Yep. And the only problem is... It's, you, not a hard, it's not hard to do, either. The only problem with that is suddenly you had a... You know, like The like, wire was sticking out the right of the controller instead of the top. Yeah, and the word top was on the right, and it was sideways. <laughs> but, but, you know what? That would be a great uh, April Fool's joke for anyone listening. Oh, so, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and the, and the thing about... Um, the way the controls are, the whole reason for that is because Pac-Man actually runs in two speeds. He kind of walks, or if you hit the button twice and hold it down, or if you hit it repeatedly, kind of track and field style, do it gently, by the way, on the the Pac-Land machine, he'll run. And I found that it's actually easier to play if you actually tap the button repeatedly, because you can stop a little bit easier. Really? Yeah. I've never used that technique. And it's important to know this, too. If you're setting it up in MAME, you do not want to set it up to where it uses a controller with a joystick at all, because you will it will be extremely hard to get it to work properly. You very well could break the joystick on it. I, I, I highly doubt you could, unless you got a really cheap controller, but it's going to be easier to play if you just use your keyboard. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is one game where it's like actually more legit to use a keyboard than a joystick. Exactly. So um, what's cool about Pac-Land is that they really do make it look like the cartoon as much as possible. Like you have all five ghosts chasing you, which means that when you do consume a power pellet, you can score uh, 200, 400, 800, 1600, and 3200 points. And not only that, but there's this one part in in the level in which the ghost monsters are dropping little ghost monster bombs on you. Uh And if you happen to time 
it so that you eat a power pellet while a ghost mo- while one of those ghost monster bombs is falling the ghost monster bomb turns purple like the rest of the ghost monsters and they count as eating a ghost monster oh wow. so you can actually get even more po- i've never actually gotten more than 3200 points so i don't know if it yeah same here i don't know if you can if you get like say all five of the ghost monsters and then a ghost monster bomb i don't know if it multiplies to 6400 or what it does seem that the ghosts actually move in a pattern. I, I know they move in a pattern in Pac-Man, but this isn't so much a, a pattern as it's like there's they start at position X and they do their thing, and it's it's position X every time. It, it, it's it's a it's it's a pattern, but it's not quite the same as the pattern of the original right. of an original Pac-Man. Um, it's like you can expect an obstacle coming up whenever. You know, every time you play it in the same place. You know, something that had just occurred to me today about this game. You know what this game reminds me a heck of a lot of? Um, it reminds you of baking it turkey? No. I was thinking about the game and how it's based on a cartoon and you're jumping over obstacles and you're trying to get from... You're trying to... Well, I mean, there's obviously a little bit more to Pac-Land than this, but it almost seems like a Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle on the ColecoVision. Fire an emulator up and, and play Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle. It's very, it has a very similar feel to it. The only difference is there are no real enemies coming at you other than a spider in, uh, in the Smurf game. And the Smurf game is one screen at a time. It doesn't scroll like, uh, like Pac-Land does. And that's something else I want to talk about. That's something that really, f- we're talking about the controls and how you can hit, you know, you, you press to, to walk one direction, press it twice or keep tapping it to run that direction. Something that's always pissed me off is eventually there, you'll come to a, a jump board and uh, to, you have to sail over a pond. I used to play, I never knew how to get over it. I could never complete the very first trip because I'd come to this and I just couldn't get past it. I would be running to the right and then I would, sometimes I would, the first time I ever encountered it, I'd push and hold the jump button. I would never make it, not make it anywhere close to getting to the other side. Then I would keep tapping the jump button and it would have no effect. And then just literally two weeks ago, I found out you have to keep tapping the right button. You know, the, the right direction button. You know, not the left one, but the right one. So you have to keep tapping that. And after that, I was able to easily get past the first one. Then I would get to, I got to the second trip. Now, in the first trip, there's only one of those jump boards. The second trip, however, has several of them. Oh yeah. And there's the third one, and I think it's the final one, it is incredibly far, and I have not made it over that one. I've made it like two-thirds of the way across. I can't figure out how to get the heck the rest of the way over. Oh, you do it the same way. You just The problem is you got to make sure that you are hitting that run button like right away, because if you just have the slightest little dip in your altitude, you're toast. Yeah, I, I, I know. I didn't know about the keep tapping to run right, so I'm going to try that next time I play the game uh, to see if I can get past it, see if that helps me out at all because that's like that's you know pretty pretty difficult and one thing i noticed i don't remember if it was on the first one but on that on the uh i was definitely on the second trip on that third jump board which by the way that screen you have a jump board the lake a jump board lake jump board and lake with nothing else in between you're going boom 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 jumping across if you're on the third jump board and you go back a little bit to get a head start, Sue is right there waiting for you. 
So you got to keep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you have to. You can go back a little bit, but you can't go back too far. And uh, so you want to make sure that you get get at least a little bit of a running, you know, a running start before you hit that jump board and go across. But that really pissed me off because, like I said, up until two weeks ago, I have never been able to get over that. Not in the arcade, not on the Atari ST version, which is a very faithful recreation, I might add, which I did also own at one time. I could never get past that. It, which makes me wonder now, too, with the home computer versions, that they that pretty much everything on those are mapped to a joystick, how that works on that. I'll have to fire up an emulator and check that out. I don't think I ever played any version of this with a joystick, actually. I was lucky enough that when I first saw this game, I had watched enough people play it that I was able... That I never had a problem getting over those those uh, jump boards. See, in any arcade that I've been to that had this game, nobody was playing it. Everybody was just away from it. I think... Really? I, I think what turned people off on this one, and I'm, I don't know anything about its popularity or anything like that, but it wasn't really a traditional Pac-Man game. It was just... It was no. based, obviously, on the cartoon, and don't get me wrong, frustration with the jump boards aside, it's a very, very, very fun game. It's something you can introduce your kids to, even, because it's really not that hard to control. I could, I, I would even say that you could probably get a three-year-old started on this game. Really? I would say, huh. because it's simple controls, two, three buttons. While we're on the topic, you know, we like to talk about our memories of these games. Like, my memory of this game uh, kind of goes back to uh, when I first and the only time I ever saw Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp. That was at the Lincoln Mall in Matson, Illinois, mentioned on this show several times before. But, you know, after I had already used my allowance at Aladdin's Castle, you know, my dad wouldn't give me any more quarters or anything. And after that, I saw nope. a Pac-Man and Chomp Chop game. I was like, oh, man, are you kidding? Come on, Dad. He's like, nope, sorry. So he's like, well, you can play it next time. Well, next time I went, there wasn't a Pac-Man and Chomp Chop, and I never saw it again. What there was, though, was Pac-Man. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Because I watched that Pac-Man cartoon religiously. Mm -hmm. I never, ever missed it. Out of all of the arcade video game-based cartoons that were on TV in the 80s, Pac-Man was really the only one worth watching. I like how you specified arcade game because that kind of implies that maybe the Pitfall cartoon was was better than well. this one. <laughs> but with, I would say with the possible exception of the Dragon's Lair cartoon, that one was actually pretty good, I thought. But it was just awesome, and I, I love And actually, from my memories, that actually was a pretty popular game at the Aladdin's Castle Lincoln Mall. It might have People been. People were playing it all the time. I just I don't think they had one at the Louis Joliet Mall. I, don't, I think the only place I ever saw it might have been up at Great America. <laughs> Six Flags Great America back in the day it would have been oh gosh i i no! committed a ferk, no! I committed a ferk. Uh, way back when uh, <laughs> six flags great america was uh, marriott's great america run by yes the uh, hotel chain but that's the only place i saw it i th i may have seen it one other place oh and you know what i think i saw it at kings island in cincinnati ohio which is one of my all-time favorite amusement parks by the way if you've never been there it's worth going and, uh, yeah, every time I've seen it, nobody was playing it. Really? Nobody was playing yeah, it. It was, it was really, it was popular at, uh, at the Lincoln Mall. In fact, there was one time I was at the Lincoln Mall with my mother, who basically was, had, I was there basically being dragged around to all her stores, and she's like, you know what, we can compromise, we'll go to our record store. I was like, how about Aladdin's Castle? She said, no way in hell. I was like, come on, Mom, you said we're... What kind of compromise is that? I get to go to one store. She's like, okay, okay, fine. And she gave me a dollar. And I wanted to play Pac-Land so bad, but there were these guys there who are basically like bogarting the thing. 
and my mother was getting impatient with me. She's like, hurry up. You know, if you want to play something, you do it now or else we're leaving now. And as soon as they finished the game, I kind of like ran ran in front of the machine, stuck a token in and started playing. <laughs> and my mother was so pissed. Like she basically dragged me out of there and we were done. And she's like, she's like, you're going back in there and you're apologizing to that man. And I, I never did. There are only two other places where I've actually seen a Pac-Land machine. Mm-hmm. And I need to tell this story because I just have to get it on my system because it was just bizarre. Uh, sometime, it was in 2001. I had, for various reasons, I quit the job that I had that I, that I was at at the time. I was living at the Jersey Shore, and so began my three years of unemployment. Uh, long story short, Jersey Shore, economy tanked, then 9-11 happened, and then the economy tanked worse. That's kind of why I was unemployed for three years. But I, I was coming home from a job interview once, and... Um, you know, I remember once hearing Chris Rock talk about how every area has two malls. The mall where the white people go and the mall where the white people used to go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And sure enough, we had two malls where I used to live. There was the Mammoth Mall in Eatontown, New Jersey, and there was Seaview Square in Ocean, New Jersey. And and Seaview Square was one that nobody went to. It didn't matter what color you were. Nobody just went to. And I never went there with my wife or anything. And I just got curious on my way home from a job interview once. I just wanted to check it out and see what it was like. And yeah, it was pretty crappy, actually, and nobody was there. But they had a small arcade in there that had pretty much all the core classics you would ever want. And they also had a Pac-Land. Nice. And this was the first time in like 15 years I'd ever played Pac-Land, including MAME. I hadn't yet really gotten much into MAME at the point. I'd played it several times. I'd played MAME games several times, but just not that deep. But I, and it was one of those places where there was no attendant or anything. It was just an open space with arcade games and a change machine. And I played Pac-Land in there, and I was doing really, really well. I was finishing, like, two trips and everything. So it's like, wow, I haven't played this game 15 years, and I'm doing better than I ever did. So that was just really cool. And it was just weird, like, in this mall that nobody went to, there was this arcade that was basically me heaven. Yeah, that was... uh we had that in Joliet too. We had the Louis Joliet Mall where everybody went to, and then Jefferson Square Mall where everybody used to go to. And they had a pretty decent arcade in the Jefferson Square called That Game Place, which we've talked about before. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, every time I've played it, not many people around it. The other place I saw, Packland, Galloping Ghost Arcade. Now here's the thing. In uh, I, we should uh, people should take a drink every time I say here's the thing. But, um, anywho, um, in Pac-Land, there are several warps throughout the game. Several hidden, not, not just warps, but also hidden things. Like, in the first, uh, the first trip, about halfway through the first screen, when you're running to the right, you're jumping over a lot of things. You're jumping over, like, vehicles that the ghost monsters are driving. You're jumping over the ghost monsters. And you're also jumping over fire hydrants. Yeah. Every time you land on a fire hydrant, there are prizes that appear in the windows in the buildings that are around you, and you can grab them for points. Like, you get there are cherries the first level, strawberries the second level. Gee, does that sound familiar? Mirroring, mimicking, whatever, uh, the original Pac-Man. Paralleling. Paralleling, there you go. Paralleling Pac-Man. And one of the, I think it's the second or third fire hydrant, if you double back and start pushing the fire hydrant to the left, eventually or a helmet's going to appear on your head I remember. that'll protect you from the ghost monster bombs. Oh, yes, I remember that. And you get points if a ghost monster bomb hits you with the helmet. I knew that when I had the Atari ST version. I heard it back then, but I totally forgot about it. At the end of the trip, there's a fairy comes out and gives you a pair of speed boots. 
what those boots do is they make you walk on air if you want. That yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. You hit the jump button and you're able to literally walk on air. And it, and you got to be really careful with that because if you go too haywire with it, you'll have a, a head-on collision with a ghost monster in an airplane. Indeed, you will. And what's really cool, and this goes back to the the whole thing about how this game really faithfully recreates the cartoon. Like the Pac-Man sprite looks just like the cartoon character. Oh, except the Japanese version. I don't believe they had the cartoon in Japan, but the Japanese version of Pac-Land, the Pac-Man character actually looks like the usual marketing Pac-Man with the huh. with the black eyes and everything. So I will have that to way check it, that. I have never played yeah, the it Japanese looks, you can you can get the Japanese ROM pretty much anywhere. I think I may have it. Like the the eyes are different. The eyes look more like, you know, what all those uh pic, like the pictures on the side of a like on, on advertising and things like that. So that way it's a little bit more familiar to people who don't know the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And just like in the now in the cartoon and I always found it peculiar in the cartoon, Pac-Man usually eats a a pile of power pellets to get the uh, the, the to uh, get the uh, invincibility, if you will. And when he does, the ghost monsters actually turn purple, not blue. And I always wondered why they did that, and I think it just occurred to me now. Now think about this: back in the '80s and right back until just recent years, standard for TV sets was basically RGB color, mm-hmm. and Something that I had learned in my, the TV class I took in college is that when you have a graphic on the screen, like uh, like character-generated graphics, like titles and things, you do not want to use red and you do not want to use blue because they bleed. Now, that's not a problem nowadays, so that might be why they had the monsters turn purple. So that's my theory. Or maybe they're just doing their own little thing their own little thing even though it's not their own little characters and really the character sprites look just like the cartoon characters and mrs pack and baby pack are in it and i believe the dog and cat are as well chomp chomp the dog and sourpuss the cat the only character from the cartoon that's as far as we know not in the game is mesmeron and super pac-man was he in the cartoon he was in the, there were a couple of episodes that were, were I super pa- that. i think i think they called him super pack and pac-man's wife actually has a name in the cartoon i don't know if she's mentioned by name in the game anywhere in the panel pepper. or anything pepper yes going back to what i was saying before about how there are a couple of warps in the forest which which is after you complete the first segment of the first trip and mm-hmm. I mean, the forest segment comes up in several places, but in the forest, you're going to be jumping over tree stumps. Mm-hmm. And sometimes one of the, either the second or third tree stump, if you push that backwards, and you'll know this will work because the tree stump will start moving. If you push the tree stump backwards, the screen will kind of scramble up and it'll warp you back home to straight to the end of the trip. Neat. I have to check that out. That's a pretty cool thing. And another hidden feature of one of the tree trunks at some point in the level, I don't know where this is or if it's random, but if you put, I think it's uh, like trip number three, when you're in the forest, if you push a trunk over to the left, and this takes a while to get, and it looks like you're about to get chomped by a ghost monster, but if, but, uh, if you stick with it, it'll eventually make you invisible and hence invincible nice so yeah and that, and that'll save you and i was about to say that'll save you time and there's a reason that saving time is important because there is a countdown timer on this game and it's little pac-man at the bottom of the screen and they slowly fold up like 
Pac-Man dying in the arc, the, the original arcade game. Yes, and the more of those that you have at the end of the uh, at the end of the of the uh, the level, the more bonus points you get. At the end of the level, if you jump just at the right time, you can earn a little hidden few bonus points. Yeah, and anywhere from I think a hundred to seventy six hundred and fifty points. And one thing that you briefly mentioned about cherries, cherries are in every screen or the fruits or whatever, and you don't have to necessarily land on something. You just have to jump at the right time. Just if it's some in the first forest uh, screen, you get a, you can get an easy pattern going to where you can get all of the uh, all of the fruit. I believe for each one you get, they actually increase in points as well, kind of like chomping the ghosts. But something I want to add about you know jump, that little hidden jump where if you jump at the very end you get a bonus point. I found you really have to time it right to get the most points. I think the best way to time it is to listen to the music. You know what? I think I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to actually have a meeting with Hyde, have him drop the music in, and I will point out at what point in the music you should jump. Jump now. It's very very touchy. Oh, he's yeah. a busy guy. Yeah, that's going to cost us too. But um, anyway, and the, another fun fact, like. Mentioned that the biggest bonus you can get for jumping is 7,650 points. Now, if you are a diehard Pac-Man fan, you've played other Pac-Man games such as Pac-Mania and some of the newer ones like uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition, like you see that 7650 coming up a lot. And not only that, but in a lot of other Namco games a lot. Now, there's a whole story behind that, and I'll try to tell it as quickly as I can. Now, there's this... It's basically based on Japanese wordplay, and I might be butchering the pronunciation of this because, hey, I don't speak Japanese. I speak almost some English. So this is going to be kind of bad, but uh, the word, it's Japanese wordplay. They call it Gorowase, I believe. And what happens is apparently the, and I'll read the description I found here on the web, uh, in which you use the phonetic pronunciation of a string of numbers, which can have multiple pronunciations in Japanese, to make them sound kind of like other words. So breaking 7,650 7, mm -hmm. could yield the 7 equal NA, 6 equaling MU, 5 equaling KO, and 0 equaling 0, or Namauko, which sounds a whole lot like the company that put out the game, Namco. Do you have anything more to say about Pac-Land? Uh, no, other than that, as what I like to do a lot is acknowledge um, the high score people. My most recent trip to Galloping Ghost Arcade, when they had the T20 tournament, I I played Pac-Land a lot, and I was only able to get to 63,410, and that's because I believe the warps are disabled on their, on their machine. Uh-huh. And because okay. when you warp, you get a lot of bonus points. You get something like, I think, 30,000 if you do a, if you if you do that warp that takes you back home. Uh-huh. So I wasn't able to get very high on that. On Arcade.com, it looks like the only people who, who are registered scorers on there are Galloping Ghost attendees. And uh, the number one <laughs> scorer is Pete Gores, who I know is a regular at the Chicagoland Arcades. And his high score... Assuming this is no warps, which I am assuming, 226,160. Nice. Now, if we flip over to Twin Galaxies, which I believe uh, there's nothing here that says anything about warps on either of these sites, but the number one high score according to Twin Galaxies, verified by referee, uh, May 14th, 1986 by Mark Mendez, mm -hmm. 4,151,400. 
Nice. Gotta mention the music. Gotta mention the music. The, there's background music in this game. It is the theme from the cartoon Pac-Man. And what I really love is that in the in the Pac-Man cartoon, during some scenes, there's kind of like a slower variation of the music playing. They even have that in this game. When you meet the fairy at the end of your trip, and you start mm -hmm. heading back with the magic shoes, the music that plays is the slower variation that's in the cartoon. You know, and I just played this the other day, and I did not notice that. I will have to, I'll have to check that out again. And one more thing that's it's uh, peculiar to the cartoon. Now, in all the Pac-Man video games, the standard maze games, the most dangerous and most intelligent um, ghost is uh, Blinky, the red one, uh -huh. and Clyde in Pac-Man and Sue in Ms. Pac-Man are the slow, the slowest and the dumbest ones. They actually reversed that in the cartoon a little bit. Sue is kind of the boss of the of all five of them, and she's like the the, the smart one and the and the really evil one. And Blinky is actually well, not so much the dumb one, but he's kind of timid. The dumb one in the cartoon is actually sorry to say, Inky. Uh oh. Yeah, I, I knew you'd be upset with that. So they kind of reverse the personalities. I haven't noticed that actually carrying over into the Pac-Land game, though. Something that is really cool about the Pac-Land game is you can actually make physical contact with the ghosts without dying. As long as you don't make, f like, horizontal contact, like face-to-face you can jump on top of them kind of like Super Mario. Exactly. You can jump on top of them, uh, whether they're by themselves or whether they're in some kind of a vehicle. You can actually jump on top of them. Um, if, you if you touch them on the side, though, you're going to get chomped. And Sides or the bottom. Or the bottom, yes. Thank you. Because eventually, in one scene, they're like in like these cloud car type things. And then if you jump up at the wrong time, you'll hit one and die. Yeah. So that's what I had to say about uh, Pac-Land. I remember when I was about to, when I was going to Galloping Ghosts, I was like, man, I get to play Pac-Land. I love Pac-Land. And I was kind of worried that maybe my love for Pac-Land was basically just because I was a nine-year-old kid and, you know, and because I watched the cartoon religiously. No, I still love this game. When I, back in the, uh, in 1983, 84, when this game was out, it was actually my favorite of all the Pac-Man games, including Junior Pac-Man and all those and to this day, it still is. I don't know if it's my all-time favorite Pac-Man game, but it's. I still love it. It's a great game. It really is. My all-time favorite is Pac-Man Plus. Exciting new Pac-Man Plus. Yes. So, but we will probably get to that game at some point. We'll probably talk about it when we talk about eventually talk about Pac-Man because it's Pac-Man, but with just some minor enhancements. And uh, so we'll we'll talk about it at that point, but. There we go. So, so we talked about, or should I say, you talked about uh, the Atari ST version. I did of Pac-Land. I have not seen that version yet, but my experiences at the home versions of Pac-Land pretty much suck. Really, the, typically the problem they have is that they're pretty slow. Like the Commodore sixty-four version, I remember being slow, and the Amiga version. You know, I as much as I loved the Amiga, like in those thirteen years, I, I stuck to my to the Amiga. I absolutely hated Pac-Land on the Amiga. I liked it. I thought it ran at the right speed on the Atari ST. It, the Amiga, though, it didn't. And the other problem with the Amiga version, and this is an Amiga problem in general, there is such a thing as having an Amiga that is too powerful. 
and that was my problem because my <laughs> early, my first Amiga was an Amiga 600 running operating system 2.05, which I quickly upgraded to 2.1 and then 3.1. Now, Pac-Land for the Amiga came out when 1.3 was the major operating system, and the problem is the operating systems were not 100% backward compatible. So you could have a bad kernel in your ROM that just wouldn't play the game. Mm -hmm. And a very common problem with the Amiga is that you could literally have too much memory. So you would have to like use a software hack to degrade your memory down a little bit. So I had to jump through hoops to get Pac-Land working on my Amiga. And when I did, I did not like the result. I really didn't. Was Pac-Land ever ported to any home consoles? I know it wasn't on any of the classic consoles, Atari, Coleco, or Intellivision, but was it on, uh, like, the Sega Master System, the NES, uh, the Genesis, Super Nintendo? I don't think it was on any home consoles. Well, I can tell you this much. It was on the Atari Lynx. I used to own a Lynx. Why don't I remember that? Atari Age gives it a rarity rating of 4. Oh. So it wasn't the most common one in the world. Okay. Then again, fours aren't too hard to find. Like case in point, that my most recent acquisition for my Atari Twenty Six Hundred collection is a boxed version of Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes, and that's Ooh, a rarity nice. four. And I, the same joystick magazine that we talked about on multiple occasions, already uh, uh, had a review of that that made me really, really want that game, and I finally got it. Finally got it. Nice. So I can't wait to play that sucker. But let me do what you usually do and check Wikipedia. Now, according to Wikipedia, Pac-Land ported several home consoles and computers called the Commodore 64, Commodore Amiga, Atari Lynx, Atari ST, we know. TurboGrafx-16, remember ah, that thing? Yes. Yeah, ZX Spectrum, Amstrad CPC, MSX, and the Nintendo Entertainment Center. And it was also available for the Wii U Virtual Console. I knew And that. it was part of Namco Museum Volume four for the playstation i remember and I, you that. know what i remember oh! that i had that one oh in 2012 namco released pac-land on the namco arcade app for the iphone and ipad uh -huh. oh guess who's going to the uh, to the ios app store <laughs> you know what? i think that game would be good on uh, on a phone unlike most games that have like yeah. joysticks yeah uh, anything oh, yeah. with a joystick is really a bitch to play on a on a phone or anything with a touch screen but a game like that where you just are pretty much button mashing buttons and that's all you're doing it shouldn't be that hard to to do on that no interesting i think namco has that on the android namco bandai now by the way yes have you anything to add about pac-land no i do not it is a great game so what's the first game we're going to talk about since we already talked about the second one yeah well the first game we're going to talk about is the real ghostbusters uh, the real ghostbusters is an arcade game for up to three players at the same time wait a minute uh, wait a minute. the real ghostbusters the real ghostbusters oh you know what i think i was playing i think i was playing the artificial ghostbusters for this episode uh Shame, shame, shame. Uh, it's the real, it's the real natural Ghostbusters. Uh, yes. Uh, you can play, uh, some cabinets had two people, players at the same time. Uh, many had three players, so you could play uh, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Danny Eckwright's character. Of course, they all, all of these games always leave out Ernie Hudson's character. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I thought he was actually one of the more interesting characters, and he should have gotten more screen time. <laughs> if there's a steady paycheck, I'll believe anything. But his line, his best line from the films. No, I'm sorry. His best line was, I've seen things that'll make you turn white. 
That was a great line. At any rate, it's uh, based on the cartoon series, The Real Ghostbusters, which was based on the movie Ghostbusters. Um, they had to call the cartoon The Real Ghostbusters because Filmation had their own show called Ghostbusters, which had no co- no connection to the movies. I believe the company Filmation actually did have a movie in the 70s. Uh, I believe the 70s, they had a movie called Ghostbusters, which was which was actually a serious horror film, if I'm not mistaken. And so they used that, and they created their cartoon, and of course they had the whole toy line and everything too. That show had a gorilla as one of the Ghostbusters. Figure that one out. He looked like Donkey Kong with a weird beach hat. I don't know. But anyway, forget about that version. We're talking about the real Ghostbusters. And in this game, you are busting ghosts. The control panel, you have the four-way joystick, you know, the start buttons, obviously. And you have a button for a gun and one for your proton beam and what you do is you can shoot the ghosts and then you shoot the monsters then they turn into a white ghost and then you use the proton pack beam to scoop them up and put them in your trap and at the end of every level after you defeat the boss at the end of every level you will get bonus for every ghost that you have captured in a trap Um, i have found out that you do not need to use the gun uh, to shoot things you can use just use the beam on everything it'll it'll kill the ghosts and you can use the beam to kill the the monsters and then it a lot of and then it will you know you'll have an easier time getting the ghosts in that's what uh, i did and i found out the hard way that that's not necessarily always the best thing to do no it doesn't really work with the boss characters for one now that's about the only thing i've noticed what did what did you notice about that that you run out of power on that thing oh yeah you know what i totally forgot about that yes you do indeed run out of power and there are are many different levels uh the only two i've seen are the first one you're on the top of skyscrapers in midtown manhattan and you're going from skyscraper top to skyscraper top you know uh, dealing with the ghosts every now and then you will see like a bonus item but it'll be surrounded by i don't know like (laughs) spikes or something that keep going up and down just time it to get in there and grab it and then and, and get out uh there will be obstacles in your way that if you blow them up will turn into bonus items like a, an extra trap or a slimer which you can pick up i believe he's a uh, like a guardian type thing they call him green ghost though for some reason don't i don't know about that because in the cartoon he was called slimer eventually every end of every level has a boss character uh without continuing this is one of those continue games that there is a boss character and uh the first one wasn't actually that hard. I remembered it being a lot harder, but uh, you basically just got to keep shooting it until it... And I believe, actually, it's a two of them. It's two guardians. They're throwing new, like, papers at you. If you get hit by the papers, you lose a life, which... I've gotten paper cuts. I've never gotten killed by a paper, so I don't ask me. But uh, then you get a key, and then you exit the level, and, you know, then it tallies up how many ghosts you caught, and... Then you move on to the next level. I believe the second level is a construction site. It might be a desert. I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, I can't remember after that. Um, I have only seen this in the arcade one time, and I believe this was is at the Galaxy World at the Gala Lane's Bowling Alley in Naperville. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it. I did see it just the one time. I didn't play it. I did, did have it once again on my Atari ST. And um, this oh this game was put in the arcade by Data East, by the way. And uh, we were talking about them earlier and wondering who holds the uh, holds the rights to many of these games by companies that are no longer a, an ongoing concern. 
I when I I had this on my Atari ST, and I remember it being pretty hard on the Atari ST, and that I wasn't really <laughs> you said hard on. So I, I remembered it being fairly difficult. Let's go with that. And when I was playing it the uh, on Mame just the other day, it wasn't wasn't as hard as I remembered it being, at least not the first level. And I think that was, a, I don't know what your experience was, but I think that was a good thing, because this is one of those games where, you know, you, you die and then it lets you continue and that sort of thing. Kind of a thing that, you, kind of a game that you are against. But to me, with this game, kind of like a lot of the earlier games that where you could continue, like Dig Dug, it does seem like this game is one where it's not throwing a bazillion different things at you, and you could actually probably do pretty well on one token. I'll tell you what, I did a heck of a lot better on one credit than I did on, say, Terminator 2. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's unlike that game where it's just like throwing things at you, boom, 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 boom. This one actually has has a rather nice um, difficulty progression. I mean, it eases you pretty much into it, and then it gets harder and harder. So it doesn't feel like that you're being ripped off with the uh, continue feature on this one. I actually did go against my own rule of, you know, not continuing, and I actually did continue this all the way to the end. Okay. And kind of regretted it, to be honest with you. I didn't continue it. I had done that in the past when I played this on MAME, and I was a little disappointed in the fact that it doesn't seem to actually have a set ending. It just, they just repeat the levels, kind of like the earlier games with the continues, like I said, like Dig Dug. I see, overall, this is actually a pretty fun game. My, Like I said, my early memories of it were from playing it on the Atari ST, and I didn't really care much for it on that platform, but playing the main version, this game's a lot more fun than I remember it being. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know there was a real Ghostbusters game until you suggested it for uh, for this week's episode. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, and I played it, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, it's pretty cool, but then, I don't know, I found it to be very repetitive. Yeah, it is repetitive. I, I, and the uh, the first level graphics, uh, the backgrounds and all that were, I, I thought, quite nice. The second level, I thought, was pretty uninspired, um, to be honest with you. But overall, the game's, it's not a bad game. It's not a great game. It's a lot better than I remember it being. It's, um, I think the, I think it was uh, Roger Ebert reviewed the movie Freddy vs. Jason. No, it wasn't Roger Ebert. It was, uh, I think it was Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune reviewed the movie um, Freddy vs. Jason. He gave the movie two, maybe two and a half stars. His review basically said, this movie is better than it has any right being. And I think that's probably a pretty good review for this one. This game is better than it has any right being. Well, when I played this, especially with the, when I sat down and I played it all the way through and, you know, continued and everything, it reminded me of, you know, and I think we mentioned this either episode zero or episode one. Uh-huh. Like, like shortly after we met, we were talking about, you know, our, you know, why we love these old games. And I, and I remembered more about what you had said. Your general conclusion was, well, the reason we love these old games is because, you know, they're, they're challenging. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily have the best graphics and best sound, but they challenge there, there's, you can't win. You keep playing and playing and playing until you die. And it makes you try to go back and do better and get a, get a higher score. Mm-hmm. And something that you, something else that you had said in that same uh, topic, that just came back to me when I finished playing the real Ghostbusters was, uh, and this was you know circa 1992, 1993 when you said that. Mm-hmm. Nowadays games are 
pretty much if they're not sports games and they're the kind where you know you do a few levels you beat the boss character you do a form a few more levels you beat the boss character you know lather rinse repeat etc uh-huh. until you get to the ceo character and you beat the ceo character and the game's over and yeah. that's all there is to it, and, and sure, that's what a lot of the games were out were, were like back then. Like uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comes to mind, for example, and this is exactly what I felt because I, I, you know, I I kept hitting continue until I won, and then the game was over, and I was like, that's all there is. I thought it just kept repeating, though. I didn't. There was an ending. There, there was an ending in a in a kind of uh, so what congratulatory message, and that was it. I don't know, maybe there's another ROM in which it does repeat, but the one huh. I played didn't repeat. Interesting, I thought it just kept repeating. Maybe I just got tired of continuing. It said, you've saved the city. That's it. <laughs> you, gotta, you, you, you gotta love that. And, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ghostbusters, the, uh, the, the game Ghostbusters for the Nintendo Entertainment System had kind of a similar conclusion. The only difference was it was in very broken English. <laughs> English. <sighs> and uh, I actually had, um, I, I had mentioned the, uh, earlier the, uh, the podcast Master System Masterpieces about the Sega Master System. And I had the Ghostbusters game on that one. And uh, it's, it's not the same. It's the, it's the Ghostbusters game I'm talking about right now is different from the arcade game. Totally. It's a totally different type game. I believe that one had, uh, had a conclusion. I, I think all of them had a conclusion where, it's, where there was some sort of like congratulatory message. But uh, I think the Sega Master System one had a bet, bit better of an ending, though. This game, I think it's fun. It's, it's, it's definitely not a five-star game. Oh, I, it is no. definitely not. I know how you hate to continue, but as I said, <laughs> I, as I said, this game actually, I, you, it gives you the sense that you can actually do really well on yes. a token, which is unlike a lot of the other type of games where you have to continue. So you got to give it credit for that. I think this game is. I, I think. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to talk about the uh, talk about our our rating system. We're talking about continues. Uh, you know, I was talking about continues here right now. Oh, and by the way, we didn't rate uh, Pacland. That's Pacland's a five star easily. I would give Pacland a five star too because I I was even when I sucked at it, I was very happy playing that game. Oh, you couldn't help help but have a fun time with that game, but. Instead of giving it stars, why don't we uh, why don't we review the uh, games in terms of continues? I give Pac-Land five continues. Real Ghostbusters, I'll give it three. You know, honestly, when I was playing this, I was thinking, you know, yeah, I'm hitting continue, which I was insulted to have to do so many times with Terminator 2, to the Judgment Day, because it seemed like I was doing it every three seconds. This right. game allowed me to do it a few a few more times. It's like, okay, you can actually make some progress in here. I was ready to give it at least three stars, but then when I got kept getting through it, I was like, man, this isn't fun anymore. It's just repetitive. It's just the same old crap. Every level is just the same old crap. They just throw out one more boss character. That's the key to this game, I think, is to not use the continues. Because, as I said, I don't think you really need to use the continues because it gives you the sense that you can actually get somewhere without the continue. And I think if you keep pumping the quarters into it, then yes, you will find it repetitive. You know, honestly, I think the, I think the same thing about uh, the game Gauntlet. Uh, it gets really repetitive the more you continue. And it's not a bad game, but there's only so much you can do. You know, there's no boss characters or anything in Gauntlet. And even Gauntlet 2 doesn't have any. What were you going to rate it before I... Well, it's not what I was going to rate. It's what I am going to rate. And that's two continues. 
Two continues. I think it's a solid three. It's it's not it's not a bad game. It's it's worth a go. I mean, it's not everybody's. I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea, but it's far from being a bad game. I mean, it's definitely worth a shot. It's definitely. Yeah. I mean, I have no regrets playing it. I just, I was just like, man, I just I just didn't like continuing it. As I as like, I was saying, the key is to just not use the continues. Just use yeah, one token. That, that's try a very to get good as far idea. as you possibly can. Yeah, and it just makes me think of uh, a moment in the movie Chasing Ghosts, which I believe you can only see on Netflix, where there's a talking head segment, not the band, but there's a segment with a a talking head segment with Billy Mitchell when he's talking about how when that continue thing started to creep up in arcades and people are like, oh, I got such and such a score in this. And he's like, okay, great. How much did it cost you to get that score? Right. And uh, I think at this point we should reveal the theme. And speaking of theme, um, there's some theme music in here. What is it? I Want a New Drug by uh, Huey Lewis and the News. Yes, that repeatedly plays over and over and over. Well... Oh, wait, no, it's Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., which is pretty much the same song. Ah, there we go. And uh, that's another reason I kind of gave this a rating of two continues, because... I don't like repetitive music. It just drove me nuts. It's just like this. It's basically just the same riff over and over and over and over again. And that's an end. And okay. And I know people would crucify me for this. That is why I do not like pitfall Two, because I cannot stand that incessant music. I love Pitfall 2. The music doesn't bother me. Now, the Pitfall 2 arcade game, on the other hand, I will give you the music. Yeah, I've not played that yet. Next time I go to Galloping Ghost, I'll play that. Um, No Quarter did an episode about the Pitfall 2 arcade game. I remember that, yes. Yeah, it's not fun. (laughs) With that, let's reveal the theme. The theme is games based on cartoons, based on properties that got their start in different media. For example, Pac-Man is based on the Pac-Land cartoon, which was based on the Pac-Man arcade game. The Real Ghostbusters was based on the Real Ghostbusters cartoon, which was based on the Ghostbusters movie. So they are properties that started in a different media. They had a television cartoon, and then the cartoon was turned into the video game, not the original media. Of course, that would be kind of meta if Pac-Man was turned into a video game. Actually, Pac-Land is kind of meta if you think about it. It really is. <laughs> it really is. So, now all we need to do is come out with a with a video game based on that current Pac-Man cartoon that's on that nobody watches, I don't think. Oh, God. My my kids have watched it a little bit. I've heard about it. I have no desire to watch it because yeah. apparently Pac-Man and the ghosts are friends. Oh, God, that's like those Tom and Jerry episodes when Jerry had a bow tie. Oh, yeah. It, especially the like the, the Tom and Jerry cartoons that came on in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, where they were like friends. And then, then they had a yes. movie in the 90s where they were all like goody two-shoe friends and stuff. Tom and Jerry's supposed to be chasing each other. Or, I know. Or, or, or at the very, the very, very least, sitting on the uh, same railroad tracks waiting for a train to kill him by committing, you know, committing suicide by having a train run over him. That's the second suicide mention. We said, man, we're dark tonight. <laughs> or this morning, whenever you're listening. Yeah, with that, I think we should reveal the games that uh, we're going to be talking about next time. We'd already talked about this, and I already forgot which ones we were going to talk about. Well, it's a good thing I remember then, so uh, I'll talk about those games, or I will introduce those games. The next two video games we will be theming, theme as a verb, remember, the next two video games we will be theming will be Mario Brothers and Joust. Mario Brothers and Joust, not Super Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers. 
And Super Mario Brothers actually was an arcade game too. So many people, a lot of people don't realize that, but it was an arcade game at one time. More on that with uh, our next themed episode. And we will see you next time. And once again, from Morris, Illinois, this is Jimmy G. And from Chicago, Illinois, this is Sean O slash Sean O C or I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you get the point. Ace uh, Tony. Yeah, talk to you some other time, folks. Yeah, we'll have a name for him soon. We we promise. We promise that. So, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Jim and Sean can be contacted on Facebook via the Pie Factory podcast page, over email at piefactory@fab4it.com, or over Twitter at piefactorypfp. Visit the Pie Factory podcast on the web via Flarkit, flark.it slash piefactory. Oh, I got a flight. Oh, in 40 minutes. No, 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 no. This is more important than me getting home or my partner meeting with Peter Bankman. But, okay, I have to do this since you said that your mom gave you a dollar. I got you a dollar. Oh, you almost had it that time. You gotta be quicker than that. Okay. <laughs> I love that commercial. Anyway. Your anyway. cell phone was dead. You faked that email. <gasps> Peter Bankman, that's from Ghostbusters. You used Ghostbusters for evil.